Clemson Podcast. Week one is in the books. Kent State established itself as the top offense in the state of Ohio. Clemson is 1-0, and life is good. This is your host, Nick, back to recap week one and preview week two against Auburn. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Ben. Cody is absent. Ben, how are you doing? Doing good, man. It was, uh, you know, last year's hype leading into the first weekend of college football was pretty big. It was kind of uh, broadcast or advertised as one of the greatest opening weeks of college football, and you really didn't have that hype this year. You know, of course, we start off with uh, week zero, which I don't recall ever having before. Um, the midweek game what was the Thursday game. Was that Ohio State, Indiana? Yep. So there were a couple others, but that was the big one. Yeah, and then so, but I wasn't really, you know, aside from the Clemson game, it was really taking a look at that Florida State Alabama game. But it really turned out there was some pretty awesome. Uh, games this weekend and I think it really I mean it's hard to tell it's the first week of the season you you can only take so much out of it you're gonna see a lot of sloppy play even from good teams I mean you saw how Clemson started the year last year um we would not have thought at that point after the first few games that we were gonna win national championship but there's a lot of a lot of good games and it's pretty funny and ironic actually you know I've always been very adamant and when I met my my wife um, I told her when we got married, we were not going to get married during college football season. It's a deal breaker for me. Cardinal sin. And of course, I missed the first weekend of college football because I go back to visit with her family who was unable to make the wedding. So you had basically a de facto reception during football season. During the first week. Now, had it been anybody other than Kent State, I would have put my foot down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, I did It sounds get- like you didn't miss... The ability to watch some of the games, right? I got to see the first half of the the Clemson-Kent State game live. Of course, I recorded it and went back and, and watched the whole thing over again. But I didn't really get to a lot to, to, to really enjoy waking up on that Saturday morning, the first weekend of college football, 9 a.m. out here on the West Coast, um, and just be able to sit there and watch college football all day. You know, I caught bits and pieces of games, but... You know, some of the bigger games, but I, I really wish I could have watched more. It's a long season, though. Well, we'll get to that. Well, and thankfully, the Clemson game's first half didn't turn out like some of the other teams in the top 10. USC was trailing, Ohio State, and I believe Wisconsin and Washington all found themselves in a ball game that got more than they bargained for. Um, so that was kind of the telltale of a few of these games um, going in was, you know, you saw some of the better teams in the country, or at least in terms of expectations, struggle out of the gates early. Some of those were on the road. Um, others were playing conference opponents. Others had a body clock issue or whatever, but... Um, I don't think USC had any excuse, but um, anyway, yeah, Clemson handled their business. We'll definitely get into the Kent State game, but um, looking around the country, I agree with you. I thought it was a great slate of games, you know, from Thursday night all the way through last night on Monday. Um, You know, a lot of entertaining games pretty much every day. So did you watch that Ohio State-Indiana game? 
I watched parts of it. Here what, and there. what did you take out of that? I mean, I think Barrett looked okay, didn't he? Um, I don't know, actually. I think J.K. Dobbins, their actually backup true freshman running back, looked he was the, their most impressive player. Um, he's backing up Mike Weber, who did not play due to injury. Um, I, Barrett was fine, I guess, but they definitely struggled early on and couldn't really establish a passing game. Um, everyone going into that game thought Ohio State was really hyped from their defensive line, and Indiana, through the air, was moving the ball kind of at will early on. So um, I don't know. I, I think this is a, a classic case of Ohio State or, you know, under, underestimating Indiana looking past this game and looking ahead to Oklahoma. Well, and I'll say this for Ohio State. They scored 49 more points than they did in their last game of last season. Yeah, and most of those came in the fourth <laughs> it's, quarter. It's quite an improvement. Yeah. So um, anyway, that game was probably yeah. – I don't know what to take more away from the second later in the second half or the first half, but um, I imagine Ohio State's better than that. We'll see more from them. But um, yeah, I, I think that you know, to round out the games we probably want to hit here, um, looking ahead to teams that we're going to be playing, maybe let's go with – Let's just go in order of the schedule. Um, let's let's reserve Auburn, but let's talk about Louisville here. Um, they struggled against Purdue, really took them to the wire um, on the road. And Purdue, you know, looks to be improved under first-year head coach there, Jeff Brom, but they're by no means of the equal talent that Louisville has or should have or the stability of that program. Um, and I think you saw a lot of the same issues that came back to bite them in their four-game losing streak last year rear its head in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked good. He had a lot of flashy moments, but you know how good can that be when you've lost a bunch of playmakers and you have no O line to kind of get you? Protection? Well, it's it's only the Lamar Jackson show over there right now, and I think it's going to be that way most of the season. Listen, you know I know Purdue is no slouch, but they have no Heisman candidates on that team. Let's let's put it that way. And Lamar Jackson, he he did look great. He had almost 400 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing, two D two TDs uh, through the air. So he's kind of picking up where he left off, but he lost all his. P- playmakers and that offensive line is not going to be very good this year I, I think as Clemson fans we took a look at that game and we're feeling a lot better um about playing there in Louisville in a couple weeks yeah and I think that you know maybe some of the other opponents we'll, we'll touch on here maybe played teams that they didn't bring their a game in preparation and planning you have to think that Louisville playing a power five opponent on the road you know brought what they have and opened up their playbook somewhat we're going to see them go on the road to North Carolina this week also, another team that struggled in week one, and um, really see what – I mean, I, I imagine you'll see more from Louisville. They're going to need to establish themselves ahead of Clemson. So, um, yeah, I think we the book may already be out on Louisville and what we can expect. But Well, and people know, like what, what, the, people know what they're going to get or what to expect out of Lamar Jackson. Um, listen, you just got to get after him. You got to make him beat him uh, – beat you with his legs – and really limit his passing ability for them to give up 378 yards passing. I mean, that's pretty big for a guy that's not all that accurate passing the ball and a guy who lost pretty much all his wide receivers. So I, I think better defenses are going to give Louisville uh, a hard time this year, and they're not going to have it as easy. You're going to see the Louisville more uh, that's similar to those last few games of their season last year than you're going to see how they started the season a year ago. Um, moving past Louisville into another big matchup we'll have later this month, uh, Virginia Tech snuck by West Virginia. That game was played in Washington, D.C. Uh, that was a really exciting game, Sunday night. Um, West Virginia, you know, both teams actually looked um, good in moments and flawed in moments where they were clearly turning over and had new personnel at quarterback. Um, but I thought Virginia Tech acquitted themselves really well against, a, you know, was at times a high potent, um, highly potent West Virginia offense. And then what they got out of um, 
Jackson, Josh, Joshua Jackson, their um, quarterback, first year quarterback, was really impressive in yeah. his first first outing. Yeah, I actually flipped now Virginia Tech and Louisville on, on the Clemson schedule uh, as you know concerning teams that um, I'm most worried about for Virginia Tech to come out and do that. They lost their quarterback from last year, and then Josh Jackson comes in. Um, you know, he's adequate uh, passing, but he did have over 100 yards rushing too. So. Uh, you know, I don't know what we expected from Virginia Tech at the quarterback position this year, but I got to say that's the highest profile ACC win um, in week one and an otherwise pretty disappointing week for the ACC. So Louisville, even though they won, I think in my mind they take a step back if you kind of had to rank them in the ACC power poll, and Virginia Tech slips above them after that. And again, it's the first week of the season, and we're going to say this uh, not only about Clemson, not about Auburn, but yeah, uh, about, about a lot of these other teams. But first impressions, pretty good from Virginia Tech. Yeah, I was uh, texting with my Virginia Tech buddy on Saturday or Sunday night, well after the game, and he's like, "Look, that was great. We're really happy to see that." But he's like, "How long can we hold on and kind of kind of maintain this facade? They're not they're not 100 percent bought in yet um, to this rebuild, but good performance out of the gate. I think this goes to show how how much in control of that." team head coach Justin Fuente is and what he's bringing to bear there. And I, I, I think that's the dynamic uh, that people are, that maybe they don't consider right now, but they're going to as the season goes along. Again, the expectations not quite as high for Virginia Tech this year, but I think the X factor is Justin Fuentes and um, how good a coach he is. I think you're going to see that play out on the field. Um, next up on the Tigers schedule, teams that, you know, had a pretty good weekend, but ultimately uh, failed to win Georgia Tech. Um, we weren't too concerned about them. We didn't really highlight that as a game in our season preview. Uh, but Georgia Tech came out of the gates against Tennessee in last night's, uh, you know, nightcap game, if you will, to the weekend, and um, put up 41 points in two overtimes against Tennessee, uh, a team that you know Tennessee not really expecting to have the best defense in the world. But Georgia Tech had a triple option going early. Um, and ultimately, ultimately dropped that to Tennessee on the heels of um, missed field goals and turnovers. And this is the thing. And I'm so sick and tired of Georgia Tech and the brand of offense they run at Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson, his ceiling is only so high um, with what they do. They're going to have some good years with some less than, uh, with less lesser talent. But it, it, I mean, mediocre is, is, is best as they're going to get, unless the teams around them in their conference aren't very good, and that can happen in the in the Coastal, but it's not going to happen in the Atlantic side with Clemson, Florida State, Louisville. They can only go so high. This offense is a gimmick. We said it over and over again, and then you throw in the fact that they just blew the game. Um, you know, I, I don't want to hear about Georgia Tech anymore. Uh, and I was more... Uh, discouraged by NC State because that, that's another ACCC team I, that I'm just I'm flat out done with Dave Dorn I don't think that he uh, I think the writing's on the wall for him you got to be able to win games like this to, to show that you're here and you'll be able to take the next step it's not like you were playing the upper echelon of the SEC you're playing South Carolina well though they are an approved team they will be from last year they're still not a good football team right yeah that, that comes down to coaching I mean they ran 99 plays South Carolina had 50 how do you lose I mean, if you're an NCCA fan, you, you want to take solace in the fact that you were able to put up that many points, that your defense held them, you know, you outgained them by so many yards, et cetera. But allowing 35 points, allowing special teams to do what they did um, for NC State, just, yeah, tough one to swallow. And, again, I, I kind of doubted them challenging Clemson in our preview episode. I still do. I did, um, and they let me down. 
They let you down. I'm pulling, um, I'm pulling for UNC State. I really I, am. I want to like they're one of the they're the only North Carolina school that I actually like. <laughs> and I think they have a fan base that, that can have them competing in yeah. the big stage of college football, but they can't ever put it together. I think they're just kind of imposters. Um, sheeps in wolf's clothing, if you will. Um, no pun intended. But uh, going back to Georgia Tech real quick, and we can move on to fl- the Florida State game. That's the one everyone wants to hear about. Um, I think Marshall could be a player for them. Um, First-year quarterback there, taking over Justin Thomas's role, if they can keep him healthy and running him however many times he ran yesterday's game. He took a ton of hits. Um, you know, Georgia, we're facing them in like the eighth week of the season. Georgia Tech's quarterbacks always take a ton of hits, though. I mean, that's the one thing that you can say about them is those guys have been yeah, durable tough. And, and stick in there. And I think that's the kind of guy that Paul Johnson recruits. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. So he looked pretty good. But anyway, I mean, that game's got to be a gut punch to them, and we'll see how they're able to bounce back. Um, last game, I guess, we'll review here. Florida State-Alabama big one everyone saw everyone talked about uh 24 to 7 crimson tide this one was much closer at the half it really should have been tied at the half or, or florida state actually should have had a lead there was a phantom miss pass interference call there um but the alabama boa constrictor did its thing and um you you cannot even come close to competing with alabama if you're going to turn the ball over or have special teams miscues like they did um alabama they showed us in the national championship game that a special teams blunder just won let alone two, which which did us in, um, can certainly end your hopes. So Yeah, and I think FSU fans are going to start looking at Jimbo Fisher and wondering, is this a guy? Was he a flash in the pan? Because that was a team last night that came in highly ranked, and they've, they've got a good defense. Uh, they do lose Dalvin Cook on offense, and, of course, they, lose, they lost DeAndre Francois, which is very unfortunate, but that wasn't why they lost this game. So I think you had to look to Jimbo Fisher in coaching. That team was not ready to play last night. Um, and I think you made a reference, a Mac Brown reference. Yeah, we were chatting we about it. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot in the offseason people criticizing Dabo Sweeney and saying, oh, is he the Mac Brown of this of this coaching generation of you got, you know, some, a lot of talent coming in and you recruit well, but you really just have one superstar, you know, Vince Young, Deshaun Watson that gets you your ring. And then are you just kind of, you know, are, are you a glorified cheerleader um, as a figurehead of your program? And I, I was like, actually, I think, you know, of the coaches out there, per, perhaps Jimbo is more apt here with that reference, um, talking about Jameis. I don't know that I fully buy into that. I think, uh, first of all, I, I think the defense on Florida State came to play and they came prepared. I think the offense, their O-line actually um, did pretty well in this game. They had no penalties. Um, and actually, any of the quarterback pressures were largely due to, uh, or sacks, um, were largely due to, De- DeAndre Francois not reading the coverage well or not reading the blitz and you know receivers not bailing him out so um anyway the book's still out on Jimbo I do think they've had top five recruiting classes as far back as I can remember top five top ten really high blue chip ratio and if they continue to kind of have these quote-unquote rebuilding years or retooling seasons this will be their third in a row potentially um you got to put it back on coaching and recruiting, yeah, it's not program really, building when you don't have the depth behind Francois. Yeah, it's not really right. rebuilding when it's three years in a row. I mean, that's far too yeah. long to now, be granted, rebuilding. And they keep winning, you know, nine, ten plus games in these rebuilding seasons. Like so many programs would be so lucky to have that. But standards are higher at Florida State, and you know, it sucks. He can kind of blame this year potentially being a lost season if Francois, you know, if this proves to to put do them in. But I, you know, you guys heard me in the preview. I wasn't all, all that convinced that Francois was the man to begin with. So um, I don't know if you want to touch now on the, the backup 
Blackman that's coming in. Well, I mean, I honestly don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, and then after this injury, number one, I, again, at least I said it, I feel so bad for Francois. You know, this is a guy, um, he's a hard worker. He's Tough a, nails. He, yeah, he's a, he's a competitor. You know, I don't feel bad for Florida State. I'm sorry, I just will never <laughs> feel bad for Florida State about anything. But yeah. about the kid himself, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. I got to say this, at least if you're a Florida State fan, the thing that you can take solace is at least it was the first game of the season. And you've got time to get this Blackman kid in all of, what, he's 6'5", 185 pounds. He's going to need to hit the weight room here in the next couple of weeks if he's not going to get broken. Uh, but the most surprising thing to me was the depth chart at Florida State's quarterback is nothing. I mean, you look yeah. at what Clemson has and like four four-stars and a five-star, another five-star coming in next year. Florida State has a walk-on, a freshman. They've, they've burned a lot of development on guys that have left the program. They had Everett Golson come in. I don't know if you remember that. He transferred from Notre Dame. Right. That those are just kind of spots on the team and reps in practice that you you're not spending developing guys. And you know, I don't. Cody is our resident Noel expert, closeted fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I imagine who you know knows more about what the recruiting cycle history has been there for quarterback, but. You know, this is a school that's always had kind of an upper caliber quarterback history. And yeah, it's a bit surprising the last couple of years after Jameis Winston, they have not had, you know, the next guy to come in. And a lot of people thought it was Francois. I think I listened to the Noel cast recap, um, a little bit of schadenfreude there, um, just to hear what, where their head is. And, you know, they, they're doing a little bit of hedging going back. Like, yeah, we never really thought Francois was the guy either, but um, they, they said it plainly. Like he just was never a star, like star quarterbacks make certain throws that right. he just was not making in that Alabama game against Clemson last year, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think that, hey, if their defense continues to play this year as good as they were against Alabama, like, first of all, we'll, how many offenses are they going to play of that caliber of Alabama? And yeah, well, how much will they need out of Blackman? We talk about the caliber of Alabama's offense, but listen, Jalen Hurts is not a good passing quarterback. He only had 96 yards passing in, in this game. I'm not convinced that he ends up their starter at the end of the year. There's a lot of chatter even at the end of the season last year that this kid from Hawaii that Alabama has, he's a true freshman, I believe, mm. um, that he might eventually come in and take over for Jalen Hurts because – I mean, you saw, I mean, that's a lot of the excuses for their, their downfall in the national championship game was his lack of passing ability. Well, you see it against, uh, again here against Florida State. No, granted, Florida State has Derwin James back. They do have a good defensive line. But, you know, yeah. it's not like Alabama won this game by beating FSU on offense. They, they won this game because Florida State turned the ball over three times. Alabama's none. And they had special teams. Yeah, special yeah. teams miscues. Yep. And you can't do that against Alabama. They're too well coached and they're too talented all around. Yeah, I mean, if – if what you're going to get out of this Florida State team is a questionable offensive identity, you know, Cam Akers look good, he's talented, but just like Blackman, he's very inexperienced and young, and they got to learn the playbook. Um, you know, if you get very iffy to slightly frightening special teams play, the best defense in the country, you might end up like 2014 Clemson with, you know, three, four losses, right? So Yeah, and, and, and I, I think that's happening too often for Florida State. Again, I think you might see the fans begin to rumble, and you can blame it on having a quarterback, but, again, that's on your recruiting. You need to bring somebody in. You can blame – yeah, special teams, you, you can take that up with the head coach too. Yeah. Um, you know, the well, cast we, touched on that continuing to be a downward spiral. Um, their current defensive coordinator was their special teams coach, and after he moved off, it's just continued to get worse and worse every year. Well, and you saw Clemson struggle with that uh, a couple of years ago, so – yeah, I mean, I, I think that the two programs are in two different places right now. Again, hard to tell after the first game of the season, but I see Clemson coming in their first game and just picking up where they left off with new guys, and Florida State just goes down, man. Yeah, 
and Alabama, Kent State, slightly different ends of the spectrum, but no, uh, no, <laughs> still, still interesting to see. I mean, you know, a lot of the chatter on Clemson Twitter and online this weekend was, man, maybe our schedule is not all that difficult now. Looking at how some of these teams fared, and again, let's let's take week one with a grain of salt to some extent. Um, a lot of coaches installing new talent in their systems, so. We'll have to see how this plays out, but one thing I know about Florida State, they've got a tough matchup two weeks from now against Miami. Uh, that who knows if that'll be affected by the hurricane. Hope everyone's safe with that. But um, I think to have Blackman have to go in and start against Miami in two weeks is going to be interesting. So, well, in bottom line, there it doesn't matter what Florida State does record-wise between now and our game because our game is late in the season. I mean, I mean, it does in, as far as the ACC Atlantic goes. Sure. Um, but First it's going to get to a certain point where they get a couple losses. They're just going to be looking at developing Blackman as their quarterback, and then, you know, we're going to go head-to-head, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, so one more thing. Can we stick, it in, uh, stick with Florida real quick? What do you think of that Michigan-Florida game? A lot of people hyping Michigan but failing to acknowledge the, the 10 suspended fl- players that Florida had. Yeah, I – I don't know that we learned a ton about either team, to be honest. Like, I, okay, Florida did not all of a sudden like have a, a competent offense, but they were missing players, to your point. A lot of people are like, yeah, but those those guys wouldn't have made that big a difference on this game. Did I you, think they would have. Did you realize Malik Zaire is on Florida's yeah. team? Yeah, and he got sacked in the end zone. Yeah, speaking or of uh, nearly old uh, Notre Dame yeah. washed-up quarterbacks that are still <laughs> in college football somehow. But he couldn't crack the two deep Yeah, after transferring, which is really interesting. So... Anyway, I tried to avoid that game as much as possible as it was going on. Um, but Florida put up 17 points. 14 of those are on pick sixes, consecutive pick sixes. I think Michigan has giant question marks at quarterback. Um, this guy, John O'Corn, is probably going to end up being their starter. But uh, I don't It's a I, great, I too great name for a Michigan quarterback. Amazing, amazing game, <laughs> can of corn. Um, I imagine, yeah, he'll be your starter. I imagine they'll get all kinds of hype coming out of this win. I don't think it's that impressive, though. Uh, but I don't think we learned a lot about about them overall. Anyway, really exciting first week of football. Before we move on and touch on the Kent State game, I just wanted to take a moment to promote the podcast. Um, if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to us. You can actually listen to us on a number of different music platforms. Obviously, in your smartphone's podcasting app, we publish our shows as SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Clemson Podcast. Um, that's probably the best place to find our show. Um, or we are on all kinds of um, Android and iPhone apps. I myself use Overcast. Some people use Stitcher, et cetera. You can find us. I think we're also on Spotify, Ben, for those people that are not into podcasting apps, but you use Spotify for music listening. Pretty sure they got podcast integration, and you can find us there. I do not have Spotify, so I do not know. But uh, we'll give a shout-out to Michael Boone. He's been giving us some love on uh, SoundCloud, liking our tracks. And then I think we've mentioned this before. Uh, Go and leave us an iTunes review, although I, I, he- I hesitate to say that. Leave us a nice iTunes review. We found a quite disparaging one and guys you got to be careful with your wording if you don't know this cody is a millennial he has a fragile ego tully and i we can take it yeah we're old men we're crotchety we can handle it we got thick skins here um yeah cody read that review and he just went and hibernated he he, you know he needs to take a week off to really pull his pull pull himself back together yeah itunes reviews are a great way for they have some algorithm when you search for Clemson, when you search for college football podcasts. You know, the more reviews we have, the more people can find us, the more we stand out. So we appreciate that. We appreciate all your feedback. Um, had a lot of activity over the weekend on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Engage with us, throw us mentions, ask us questions, um, like our terrible memes, etc. 
And with that, let's turn our focus to Clemson, Kent State. This one, as expected, uh, Clemson rolled over Kent State. Um, but I imagine there are a lot of surprises in this game. Um, maybe not surprises as much as pleasant uh, outcomes. So maybe, Ben, top one to two takeaways that were unexpected. Well, again, you have these games every year where so many guys get into the game that it's impossible to pull a lot out of just because the quality of the competition um, is not very good. You know, Kent State was one of the worst, if not the worst, FBS teams in, in college football last year. They might be the same this year. Um, you know, their head coach is out. So just not not a good place for them to be. They're essentially there to collect a paycheck. Um, so, again, not a lot that you can take from this game. Clemson played 91 guys. But the, a couple of things that really stood out to me. Number one, this team was focused, did not make many mistakes, and they were out for blood. That is the Clemson team. And that is really good to see from a defending national champion. You know, this is not like the NFL where you have a lot of these Super Bowl hangover teams because you're still you're bringing in the same guys, same guys come back the next year, they hold on to their positions, they don't graduate and move on to the next level, right? That is the ultimate level. Uh, when you're a college football team and you have a lot of your star players go, you have a guy like Kelly Bryant needs to come in and prove himself. Uh, not a lot of people, uh, you know, you know, really have a lot of confidence in him coming into the season because we haven't seen anything out of him. You got to got Justin Falsinelli at center. You know, he needs to make a name for himself and being the leader of that offensive line. Uh, replacing Wayne Gallman at running back. You got four guys vying for that. You got Deion King showing that he can be the next Mike Williams in addition to all the other uh, wide receiver talent that we have. And then you jump to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you got linebackers there. Trey Lamar, can he step up? Tanner Muse, uh, new safety. So a lot of guys that are trying to make a name for themselves, or if you look at guys like Tyrone Crowder or Mitch Hyatt, setting themselves up to be high draft picks in the NFL. So there's a lot of a lot to play for for these guys. Again, it's not like the NFL. So it was really good to see them come out with that killer instinct. I don't care who they were playing. They were focused. They were on it. And it was, again, despite the, the lower level of competition that they were playing, uh, only four penalties on the day, one turnover, and that turnover was just kind of a fluke. Kelly Bryant's interception uh, t targeting T. Higgins in the end zone. But right. overall, overall, the way this team was prepared coming in, you got to be really, really excited if you're a Clemson fan. Yeah, for me, the pleasant surprise was the play of Kelly Bryant, um, bar none. I think that beyond his poise um, running the offense early, I think you – you might have thought, okay, you know, and I even said as much on Twitter, I hope they design the playbook to be able to build him some confidence and, you know, not necessarily drop easier plays, but really things that could get him going and the team going. And, you know, I think there are a handful of plays that um, he may have forced, but by and large, he looked very co competent and capable. And I, I would say not necessarily running a vanilla offense. Um, that ball over the top to Deion Kane being the obvious highlight. Well, and we, kn we knew what we could do with his legs. You know, the play calling uh, got off getting him some easy throws. The first play, obviously, he ran for a first down. Uh, quick, easy pass to Milan, or Milan, excuse me, <laughs> Milan Richard, uh, who, by the way, looked pretty damn good in this game. I'm really excited to see some things out of him. But, yeah, I don't think you could have asked more from Kelly Bryant. He looked accurate. Um, he had some good zip on his balls. And, and that, that deep ball to Deion Kane, you know, you could tell it was coming. I think it was a second and short 
situation, and I was just hoping Tony Elliott was going to dial up that play call and kind of let uh, Kelly Bryant let it loose and get a feel for it, and what a perfectly placed ball. I mean, that was a beautiful pass, and then Deion Kane on the other end, and, you know, that guy didn't have a chance, you know, five, ten yards off the line scrimmage. Yeah, I think those those type of routes will be there all year if we're able to establish the run and get short yardage situations. But that was some of the, you know, those passes, those plays like that early on last year, Deshaun Watson was overthrowing guys on that route. Or there were drops. Right. Um, so, but yeah, you're right on, in terms of the accuracy. So good to see. Um, I think, you know, Quacking Tiger, uh, Palavar's over at Shaking the Southland, talked about he likes to see some better progression, you know, see Kelly Bryant go through his progressions a little bit, a little bit more, a little better. Yeah, and I thought he had some questionable calls on the zone read here and there. But again, this is his first time as a starting quarterback. I mean, the things he did do is, you know, the, the Clemson offense gained the most yards in a season opener, uh, most points in a season opener since 1990, which is kind of shocking to me. I can't believe we haven't played some cupcakes and put up more than 56 on them. But again, you can say all these records; they all sound nice. But you know, well, speaking of that score, we played ben, some better teams. Why don't we talk about our predictions? Uh, for the game? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I think you, that was a close one between you and I. Um, you ended up winning that. I think I tied for second with... Uh, yeah, so I went 55-0. to zero. I was confident in our defense to put up a goose egg. I thought we should have. There was a penalty Blame there. Tanner Muse on that one. Blame Tanner. Tanner should have shut him out. Come on, bro. Um, Cody was... I think he was bullish on Kent State. Allowed 10 for them. Yeah, he's against, picking up where he left off from last year. Yeah, so. Bringing it up the bottom there. That's right. Um, but we will be sure to publish our, our game predictions before the game on, on social media. Um, maybe sticking back to this game, and we can, we can wrap this one up fairly quickly. Um, on offense, I think the only other area to really talk about was, were, was what we got out of the running backs. Um, all four of our um, guys that should be getting wraps all season got into the end zone on this game. Um, most impressive to me was really seeing Etienne um, do what we had heard about in fall camp, actually have it translate onto the field during the regular season, just displaying his explosiveness this, and uh, power. This kid had never been to a Clemson game before, which is, I mean, I guess I should have known that because we got in late on him mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. year after the season, but that's amazing. And speaking of Cam Akers, we were talking about him earlier. That was the guy from the South that all the major college football fo- uh, programs was focusing on, and that's why LSU kind of thought they had this guy at the end in their back pocket. Well, boy, was Clemson lucky to get him, and he's even exceeded the coach's expectations. It looks like he runs as fast as he can in everything he does, in a straight line or to the hole or whatever. I bet he sprints to class. Um, I think, again, playing against Kent State, this offensive line for Clemson was pretty dominant. But so far, I mean, he seems to have great vision. Of course, he has a a great burst. He hits the hole with confidence. And he even showed some competency in uh, pass protection, picked up uh, you know, some guys off the edge there a few times. Again, different story when you're playing a better team. But, yeah, from this young, true freshman, never been to a Clemson game before and to, uh, to perform on a stage like that, opening day, full house, that was pretty awesome to see. Really excited about what we're getting for him. Not just him, though. The other running backs look good, too. Yeah, um, got to see Feaster. He with you know, a, a lot of new muscle um, on his frame. You know, show some of his his bursts as well, and with a long touchdown run, uh, maybe some criticism about how hard he hit some of the open holes in the run. But that's the thing that Etienne does that Feaster doesn't do. Yeah, and I, I imagine that's something the coaches will will be working on, and this could be Week One Kent State, you know, byproduct. Um, but good things coming out of Choice as well. Um, he may be not a step slow, but maybe not quite where he was before he went down to injury. A he seemed to have ago. a better burst though than I than I recall him having. 
He could be a goal line back. I can see him Definitely. carving out a niche for himself in this offense this year because he, he did pack a punch. But I think from the four guys we have on the roster that they're all going to be pretty serviceable. And, and one's going to step up, I think, this year and take a role. Now, who that is remains to be seen. Uh, we'll see how much action a guy like Etienne actually gets in the Auburn game. I think you're going to see him ride heavy on Fuller, Feaster, and Choice. But who knows? Yeah, we may need him. Um, and it, of course, Kelly Bryant got got a lot done with his legs as well. Um, be cool if he could stay in bounds on those runs. He had a clear touchdown if he was able to. I think tip Jeff to the Scott line. was mentioning he had a fifteen. Uh, he wears a size fifteen shoe. Had he wear thirteen, <laughs> he might have stayed in. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean that play was amazing. The way that he was able to. I mean, he did not slow down when he uh, juked that safety um, and ran right around him. We're, guys, we're going to see a lot, a lot of special play from Kelly Bryant this year with his legs. And if he can keep it up with his arm, his accuracy, and, you know, for the most part, his decision-making that we saw in this first game, the sky's the limit for this Clemson team this year. Again, I tell you, I think we got more than Clemson fans could have hoped for out of this game. Still, first game of the year, Kent State, not a very good football team, but, you know, you can only, you can only play against who's on the opposite side of the yep. ball from you, you know? Yep. And so I think... He did everything the coaches were asking for. I think the offense did everything the coaches were asking for. It was a very vanilla day for the most part. Uh, the O-line well, the O-line did create holes, but they were – we didn't have to go to the perimeter in this game. It was just pounding the ball up the middle. We'll see how that plays out coming to Auburn and Louisville uh, the next couple weeks. But, you know, they did everything they needed to, and the offense had a great day. Let me ask you, Ben, before we touch on the defense here, do you think – would you rather have the Citadel next week or the week before South Carolina? Well, do you think we need another it, tune-up game, or it, do you feel like let's just let's just get it? Into the it season? depends because that tune-up game was in a good spot. Uh, well, I guess that that break later in the season before South Carolina was in a good spot when they were uh, playing a cupcake the week before us, and they were actually a good football team. Now I don't think it matters much because I think last year we threw Wake Forest there or something like that. Albeit Wake Forest is improved this year. But I think that suffices because South Carolina is not as good. I think as far as the schedule goes for this year, absolutely. It would be a benefit to Clemson uh, to have the Citadel's second game of the year just to get these guys more reps, get Kelly Bryant more reps. But we're going to be thrown – they're going to be thrown to the fire right mm-hmm. here in week two. But the guys have all the tools, the physical abilities. They're super talented, great coaching. Uh, we have more talent than Auburn. Uh, a lot of these guys did experience playing in a national championship last year being on a big stage. So I think we'll be yeah. fine. For sure. Um, last comment on the offense, I saw some great downfield blocking happening. Um, DeAndre Overton, even Deion Kane. None better than Hunter Renfro, though, throwing that block on the, the right sideline, Milan Richard, reception and run. Uh, I that missed that. Out. I've heard all the chatter. Uh, I have to go back and look at it. Get on social media. It'll be all over the place. Uh, but, yeah, he just leveled the guy. Um, but yeah, great to see. That was How probably one was of the, the knocks. Guy? Um, probably, a, I'd say he's probably a linebacker, but he's an Ohio linebacker. So pretty big guy. Okay. Um, uh, but definitely bigger than Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro. I'll say that. It doesn't, doesn't take, take much, much, I suppose. It's low bar. But yeah, you mentioned DeAndre Overton. I mean, aside from his blocking, I loved how physical he was in the, in the, in the in receiving, uh, that catch he made where he had a pass interference call on him early. He fought through that. That was a thing of beauty to make that catch. Really excited about what we're going to get out of him this year. For sure. Um, over to the defensive side, um, very impressive effort holding Kent State to three points, slightly more points than passing yards. Um, 
they only had a handful of passing attempts. You know, I, I don't know that we can credit that entirely to our defense versus whatever their assistant coach um, was calling up um, on the Kent State side of the ball. But um, for the most part, I thought very solid defensive effort. I think this was a, a case where we were getting a lot of guys reps on the team into the game. Um, I'm not able to take away tons from the t- defensive effort here. Uh, but, you know, really, really solid. I think, unfortunately, we saw um, Van Smith tweak a knee. Uh, Kendall Joseph did as well. And Dexter Lawrence looked to be limping. So uh, a little bit of walking wounded, but no real serious injuries. We think Van Smith should play against Auburn. Yeah, I think the the word out about Van Smith is good. But, uh, again, I think more probably more of a safe call to get him out of there, considering who we were playing. You get uh, Isaiah Simmons um, out there and Devon get him Wallace. some playing time, yeah. Von Wallace. Uh, but for me, uh, I am a little bit worried that the secondary was not tested in this game. You mentioned Kent State only threw the ball four times. Kent State was just trying to protect their players and be safe. Yeah, uh, Their quarterback is a converted wide receiver. Um, I think he was their leading wide receiver for the first half uh, or first month of the season last year. So you're not going to expect a lot out of that. I don't know what to what extent they were holding back plays for their softer conference schedules so they can at least be competitive there. But what they did do is they did um, they did many things schematically uh, that kind of plays with the eyes of the defenders. And I think that the defense did a really good job of staying disciplined. You didn't get the tackles for loss necessarily or any sacks. Of course, you can't have sacks if you don't throw the ball. Mm. Um, <laughs> but they controlled the, the line of scrimmage and kept them from you know breaking big plays. They didn't have – I think they had five first downs all uh, game. And, again, the only time they scored was really a result of that late hit out of bounds by Tanner Muse. So, you know, we know how good this defensive line is going to be. And we know how good this defense is going to be as a whole. A few question marks in the secondary. We'll find out real quick about that uh, against Stidham and Auburn next week. But overall, the defense played as well as they could, especially playing so many guys late in the game. Ben, you mentioned the defensive line being the the real anchor of this offense or (laughs) this defense. Um, And we did see, obviously, the starters come in and a lot of a lot of other guys getting reps. Um, I was impressed most by what Austin Bryant had to show in this game. Um, very much looked the part of what we saw harkening back on the other side to the OU game and the Orange Bowl. Um, yeah, Austin Bryant, if we get that type of production out of him throughout the season, this D-line could be special. Probably will be the number one defensive line in the country, which is saying a lot looking at some of the, some of the action around the, around, the, um, around the country this weekend. Uh, but what, did, what was your take on some of the reserves coming in? Well, first, I think you're right about Austin Bryant. He showed very good speed, and if he stays healthy all year, we're going to have two really good defensive ends between Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryant. The depth uh, is a question mark behind them. Uh, We saw Chris Register in as the first substitute. He played well, followed by Logan Rudolph, who was in on a lot of plays. Um, Again, he has that nagging shoulder injury, so we'll see how much that affects him as the year goes on. But that's really the depth you're relying on. You know, Xavier Kelly is a guy – I watched him in this game. I don't think he made that much of an impact. He did not seem to have the size and the power that you'd like for him to have at this point. Um, I know he was injured for last year, didn't play, and this was his first you know, college football game. But you know, we mentioned this in the recruiting um, of him and then getting into fall practice last year. This is a guy that came from Kansas. And it's one thing to dominate in Kansas football. I lived, I went to KU, I lived in Lawrence, Kansas. I saw some Kansas high school football games. There's a bunch of tiny kids my size out there playing with a guy like Xavier Kelly. So there's not a lot of good competition. 
he did not make the impact that I hope to see um, when he had his opportunity in this game. I think you've uh, had the defensive coaches kind of send him a message by not even placing him on the depth chart leading into this game. So uh, that's a bit concerning because he was a guy that you would hope could provide some much-needed depth there. Uh, the flip side, Justin Foster, you did see him get into the game. Uh, he had one tackle. I think he's the guy that the, the coaches are going to try to develop as the year goes on to where by midseason he may actually be a significant contributor. He could hit that too deep, right? Potentially. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's transitioning for linebackers, so he's going to need some time to catch up. But you see the coaches aren't afraid to play these true freshmen. You know, Justin Foster and Logan Rudolph, again, if Rudolph remains healthy, I think you're going to see him make an impact this year too. Uh, team leaders over the weekend in tackles, uh, Cleveland Farrell, five. Tanner Muse also five. Let's stick with the safeties, Ben. Any takeaways from this game out of that that position core? Well, I'm really excited about Tanner Muse. Um, you know, even, you know, we, we joked about his uh, late hit as, out of bounds. I'm fine with that. I like the aggression. It wasn't so, you know, blatant. Uh, that it was a bad play, uh, but that kid is going to deliver some blows this year. I'm really excited to see him. And Isaiah Simmons, uh, he got some good playing time in the nickel position, and he was in on some big hits. He did over-pursue, it seemed like. He missed some tackles a couple times. He did have big hits on special teams. I think as he develops, as the year goes on, you're going to start to see him have an impact, but it's really good to see these young guys and these heavy hitters on the backside of uh, Clemson's defense that we're really relying on to stop some of those big plays that have played Clemson the last couple of years. Yeah, I've spent the last part of the last decade and a half or so following the Seattle Seahawks, and those hard hitters are part of the Legion of Boom up there with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, um, and Cam Chancellor from Virginia Tech. Great to see that. You know, that's that's the type of identity you can you can create in the secondary that um, makes a receiver think twice about you know catching the ball and making some yards after the catch. So um, hopefully that type of aggression and that type of um, hard hitting will bear out this coming weekend where the amount of attempts, uh, four attempts, will likely turn into 40 or more um, coming from Stidham, right? Well, I, I would imagine that he's going to throw the ball more than four times. <laughs> Unless he's injured. Unless he's injured. <laughs> um, Which we're not hoping for. Right. Yeah, and I guess elsewhere in the defense, um, saw some good contributions, some good stats. Um, Got to give it up, J.D. Davis, um, you know, four tackles, playing in a reserve capacity at linebacker. He was actually in there pretty early, and, I, you know, that's, that's saying a lot. You know, a lot of people weren't happy with the, the Davis twins being brought onto the team. I mean, these are guys, you call them the five heart Dabos or whatever. Um, but these guys have worked their butt off for this team, and now they're actually getting some uh, some meaningful playing time. It's been it's been cool to sign, kind of see their progression throughout their careers and get in there early in games. Definitely, um, Chad Smith also got some some yep. reps there. Um, you know, spelling. I, I was I was glad to see Kendall Joseph look really strong um, playing in the mic position. But um, anyway, I feel like. Uh, across the board, linebacker looks solid, and we've got really good depth, which we touched on the season preview. Yeah, Trey Lamar, I think there was a lot going out there, um, a lot going on out there for him. He played okay. I wasn't super impressed by him. I think he's going to continue to need to grow, but um, you know, give it some time. We'll, we'll see what happens. Really interested to see how he does against Auburn next week because Gossam Elzon is going to be using a lot of trickery to try to mess with your eyes if you're in the you know linebacker in the secondary as a defender. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it remains to be seen, too, if Stidham can, can execute that offense. Um, well, across the board, three points, pretty solid effort for this defense. Uh, ready to talk to special teams? Greg Hugel, man. 
unless he was intentionally kicking short, which I think they do call for sometimes to, to get uh, the, the coverage team some practice. He was solid kicking off into the end zone. His PATs weren't necessarily solid. They were kind of all over the place, whether they were low-line drives or clanking off the upright. Um, they, we do have, I believe we have a new long snapper this year. I know we have a new holder in Dabo's son, Will Sweeney. Uh, so maybe that had something to do with it, but I'd like to see him hit those balls a little bit more solid. But otherwise, pretty good there. Um, I think Ray Ray's going to take a couple to the house this year. I really do. Um, I think he's going to be pretty dynamic in the return game. I also think blocking some punts uh, is, I think, Tanner Muse coming off the edge. You're going to see him block a couple punts. And then maybe the biggest story of the day, we might have a punter. I know it was only one punt, but Will Spears, man, that looked, that 49-yard punt looked really good. Yeah, uh, I'd be good with 40 on average, but 49. I'd be five more than it. last year. We'll take it. Exactly. Uh, yeah, good to see you for sure. Cornell Powell um, had a long kickoff return as well. So I was really interested to see who would be in the kickoff cover. There's so many weapons. I think you're going to see some guys take it to the house this year. You know, heck, Etienne, just put him back there. You know, he used to get that ball, hit a hole, run straight as fast as he can. Find daylight. Absolutely. Um, Well, good stuff. Uh, Tremendous week one. I think, you know, you said earlier we have a lot of guys coming back, a lot of experience, but um, not, not every team across the country fared as well in the early going in their matchups. So it was really good to see, um, you know, very low stress weekend for us as Clemson fans. Um, not, was not true for all teams. So, um, good stuff there. I'm good with this Kent state game. How about you, Ben? Yeah. Again, you couldn't ask for much more 56 to three. We'll take it on to Auburn. Saturday night at death Valley, your number three Clemson Tigers will host number 13 Auburn, um, in a, the second game of a home and home, um, then we d- did a little bit of Auburn preview in our uh, season preview series last week. Um, but did, did you learn anything in Auburn's 41 to seven victory over Georgia Southern? Uh, I actually did. I mean, I'm actually feeling better about this game. Uh, you know, it all I think starts with, I think, you know, what, for the most part, you can get out of Auburn's defense. Uh, but talking about their offense, obviously they struggled last year, especially at the beginning of the season. they, didn't know who they wanted at quarterback. They bring in Chip Lindsey this year, uh, their new offensive coordinator, formerly of Arizona State, and also Jarrett Stenham, uh, for, uh, former Baylor quarterback. They expect a lot of good things out of him this year. Uh, they see a shifting direction in their offense to, to a QB that is pass for, has a pass-first mentality with the mobility to extend plays. But what I saw this first game was an offense that was a bit rusty. It did move at a faster pace than last year, but it had some sloppy first-game problems. Again, stuff that you didn't see out of Clemson. Uh, They were only 6 of of 16 on third down. They did have 535 yards of offense, but only 184 of those were passing. And for a team that expects big things out of Sidham to really change the dynamic of their offense, I would be a little concerned if I was them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he hasn't seen a football field against – Division one competition since what, like October 2015. That's true, but you're not gonna. I mean, if you're rusty in week one, it doesn't necessarily mean to be polished in week two, especially when you didn't play a, a good opponent in uh, Georgia State. You're gonna be facing a Clemson defense that is gonna be the best you're gonna see all year, maybe outside of Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, if they had come in and blown the doors off and put up, you know, 56 points, 70 points, whatever on Georgia Southern. Yeah, you might you might have a little bit more pause, but um, I, I think we all imagine there would be a little bit of rust there. I think 
it will be on the coaching staff and Chip Lindsey, you know, it's interesting that he's a new coordinator there to figure out like, how does he get Stidham going against what, what should be a top five defense next week? Well, I think style environment. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is opening up the, you know, starting with the run game and hoping that that opens up the passing game. You know, they did have 351 yards rushing, which is a good number. And that was without, uh, uh, Cameron Petty Petway. Um, who will be returning, rejoining the team this week. But then on Johnson tweaked a hamstring, so we'll see what they get out of that. Uh, you know, they're not going to rush for 350 yards against Clemson. That's just not going to happen. So I think they're going to try to need to be balanced. But, again, this defense, this defensive line that they're going to see, again, the only unknown right now for Clemson is their secondary because they weren't tested, but we'll see what happens. Again, Jared Sidham, he can throw the ball, but he held onto the ball a little too long sometimes. He looked indecisive, and I think if you get some pressure on him from a big, fast, ferocious defensive line, that you're going to force him into some mistakes. Uh, let's touch on the wide receivers for Auburn real quick. It looks like Will Hastings is their WR1 kind of go-to guy as a pass catcher for Auburn. Um, Stidham obviously is going to need to make use of a lot of his weapons, and I didn't really see much in their in their Week 1 game to indicate that he's going to have a lot of that at his disposal. Well, and again, they were being vanilla in their offense as well, but you know, they do, you know, lose a lot of production from last year's offense. Their top three returning receivers combined for less than a thousand yards uh, receiving last year. So the question out there is, can their receivers actually challenge a good defense uh, in the vertical passing game? And again, if you're Clemson fans and you're not sure what to expect out of the secondary, that's got to make you feel a little bit good. I think that kind of neutralizes the situation there until we see what we're going to get out of them. Um, but I think a bigger concern more than anything else, uh, you know, everybody thought that Auburn was going to have an experienced, talented offensive line coming into this year. I'm reading uh, from a lot of Auburn fans and a lot of Auburn pundits that that's their biggest concern for Auburn right now. They had some major breakdowns in the first half of this game, and if that offensive line, which is your first line of protection, on this offense is going to fold and break down against Clemson's defensive line. It's going to be a long night for the Auburn offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's something where with the, with the new quarterback of the new system, having some type of continuity and stability at that position can kind of, you know, bridge the gap a little bit. And if, if that's an open question mark, if that's the question mark on this offense, you know, that does not bode well for them against this Clemson D. Yeah, well, well, so we'll see what happens. You know, Stidham, as good a year he maybe had as a freshman at Baylor, he was not going up against uh, the caliber defense that the Clemson brings to the table. He was going up against Big Ten or Big Twelve defenses, and we know um, their tendencies, uh, what their tendencies are, in giving up a lot of points. So. He's, he's not going to know what hit him. I mean, this is going to be a game that's on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment for Auburn. So let's, let's see. Bring it on. I'm not really at all worried about our defense. Yeah, I think what I said in, in our, our previous show is I expect this game to be pretty low scoring, um, you know, partially due to, at least on the Clemson offensive side, which we'll touch on here, there, there were some open question marks. Some of that might have been answered in the first game, but I think we will really know what we get after this Auburn game. But um, definitely question marks for them too with the new offensive system, a new quarterback at the helm. Um, and now some of these question marks we're hearing. I actually, I do feel like uh, on Johnson, you know, he and um, Cam Petway, Petway, I always want to add an A in there, Cam Petway, they're pretty much their one-two punch. To be without on Johnson, who's, from what I'm hearing from Auburn fans, an off-injured guy, um, to be without one of those guys with, with a hamstring, I imagine he's not going to be all that productive in this game. You know, that... That again, if they if they want to establish the run to open up the pass, they get behind a suspect line, 
you know, missing him could be a big deal. Cam Martin did run for uh, 136 yards against uh, Georgia Southern as well, so he's no slouch. Uh, but you're right, when you're missing one of your best backs, uh, they do bring back Petway, who was the SEC's leading rusher last year, but um, on Johnson gives them uh, a dynamic that they don't get at Petway. So, yeah, I think any time that you lose somebody like that, it is going to hurt you a little bit. I think overall what you're going to see in this game, you know, Gus Malzahn is not calling, calling plays back there, but um, listening to a, a Auburn season preview podcast talking about Chip Lindsey coming in, you know, Gus Malzahn always finds a way to sort of get some of his decision-making into um, the game plan of the offense, and some of the calls actually, you know, called on the field. And I think you're going to see uh, Chip Lindsey's signature on this game, but they're going to find a way to get, get the ball moving against this, you know, Clemson defense. I think, you know, in some way or another. I think the question is, can they do so early? And will we see Clemson, you know, across the board need to need to play from a deficit? I think that's where this defense just needs to establish itself early, not try to sit them down, and really not let let the play calling come into effect too much early in establishing a big lead for Auburn. No, I mean that's the main thing. Get pressure, get pressure on Stidham, disrupt him. You know, Venables, it's his MO. He's gonna bring a lot of pressure with many different looks to disrupt him. So I think that's something we expect to see. But going further than that, don't over pursue the inside runs. I think this is where discipline from uh Trey Lamar, Dorino Daniel, the cornerbacks and Muse is going to be key in this game. Let the big guys up front do the work. D line needs to be dominant, secondary they're going to be tested. Stay disciplined. Ben, let's flip it over to the offense. So when Clemson has the ball, they'll be facing the preseason S&P Plus number 11 defense. Um, the, def- the same defense that did lose some talent to the NFL this year. Um, and defensive end Carl Lawson, defensive tackle Montrevious Adams, and safety Rudy Ford. Um, they did lose some talent, but they they had a good amount of depth coming back to this, this team. Um, you know, a good amount of sack production, a good amount of just playmaking. And... You know, under Kevin Steele, former Clemson defensive coordinator, I think last year Auburn did, by the end of the year, establish a good identity. They lost some games, I think largely due to offensive injury, um, just could not stay in these games. But um, for the most part, I I would expect a pretty solid uh, defensive performance this coming weekend, which knowing that Clemson has a lot of youth at playmaking positions um, could pose a challenge. I think that's why I kind of go back to expecting, you know, a low scoring game, at least in the 20s. Well, agree that they're talented and they do bring some guys back with experience but i sorry when you lose uh, guys like lawson and, and montrevious adams guys that accounted for over half of their 23 and a half sacks last season you're going to step back um you just are um at least at the beginning of the season these guys are going to need time to gel and develop and i don't think that they were able to or would have been able to do that against georgian southern uh, we have them early in the season at home. I think that is uh, very beneficial to us, um, obviously. Yeah. So I think we take advantage of that. Actually, I think a key takeaway from Clemson from the Georgia Southern game is that a lot of Auburn's success at the de- on the defensive line was that Georgia Southern, their offensive linemen were not able to get into the second level of Georgia Southern's offense, or sorry, of uh, Auburn's defense. So this is going to be a situation where the – the offense is going to need to get a big push and get into that second level, continue to run up the middle and see if that sticks and be dominant in the trenches. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, you know, typically you can always go back to the old, old axiom of, you know, games are won in the trenches. Let's talk about Clemson's O line. We, we saw some improved play. I think we're, we're very bullish on this unit. Um, Auburn has turned over some guys, but you know, 
do you think that's going to be the, the key matchup of this game? I think so, and I think what was uh, very interesting to see uh, from Clemson's offense is they played a lot of guys across the offensive line in the game against uh, Kent State. Um, so having that depth, and we have proven depth there, if you can cycle guys in and out against you know these talented defensive linemen against uh, Auburn, they're going to hold up better, and Auburn's defensive line may start to wear down. We've seen it before with Tony Elliott. They, they stuck with some things that weren't maybe working at the beginning of games, but the more uh, they kept it, they stuck to their game plan, we start to wear other teams down, and teams like Alabama over time. I think we may s- see that in this game. I do expect to see a focus on trying to establish the running game up the middle and see what that does to open up the passing game and some things on the outside. I think something we haven't touched on yet that could impact this game, You know, we'll, we'll know more here in the next 48 hours or so, is the effects of Hurricane Irma and any weather that would that might impact Saturday night, uh, the Clemson Clemson football game and sort of the area. Um, you know, if this, if, I, I suspect it won't be as intense as the Notre Dame game of a couple of years ago. Uh, but if you know, if there is some inclement weather and there's some you know rain happening on the field, could that favor Clemson's team that may be a little bit less reliant on the pass um, to establish its offense? Yeah, ground and pound, baby. And again, because we can't get those short passes to the outside to our playmakers, get them around the edge. I don't think Clemson necessarily has to be reliant on the deep ball. I think they come into the season thinking that that wasn't going to be one of their strongest suits. Um, so I, I would give them advantage there. And I think that is the case whether or not there's, there's bad weather. I think Clemson's offense is set up pretty well. I think anything that Kelly Bryant can do down the field over the middle with his arm is a bonus, to be honest with you. Um, any other takeaways from this Auburn team in terms of strengths? I mean, I, I think we – they do have returning production coming in from the secondary. Um, you know, Kevin Steele, for what it's worth, I think is always fielded, you know, average to above average secondaries. Um, you know, that could be an area where we do have a little bit of a weakness in, or at least inexperience, let's say, in Kelly Bryant getting the ball out there. Um, I think this is going to come back to scheme and what Tony Elliott um, is able to dial up for Kelly Bryant to find you know, openings in that secondary to well, exploit. Well, bottom line for me, I think that's where you're going to see the superior talent of in Clemson's wide receivers core make a big difference and really um, could help overcome maybe some deficits that Kelly Bryant might have in the passing game. Uh, a guy like Deion Kane who can outrun anybody, a guy like DeAndre Overton, we talked about how physical he was. If he can re- remain that physical specimen and really challenge the secondary of Auburn, um, again, it's going up and getting 90% of those 50-50 balls. And if we can see the Clemson wide receivers establish their dominance, make the game come easier for Kelly Bryant, give him more confidence in, in putting the ball out there, then I think you can see us uh, have some success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also imagine this will be a chance for um, the identity of the, this offense to establish itself. You know, To what degree is this going to be a run first team? Yeah, I think we're going to know this week. I, you know, We weren't going to be able to take a lot out of Kent State. Obviously, the way Kelly Bryant passed the ball uh, was amazing. Uh, the way we saw Etienne hit the holes with that burst of speed. I think this week you're going to see us get back more to uh, starting to see the beginnings of more of what the identity of Clemson's offense is going to be and also how well Kelly Bryant is going to be able to pass in against a very good defense. Ben, who are, who's your X factor on offense? You can't say Kelly Bryant. Uh, good question. I think a guy like Hunter Renfo, a possession receiver, um, you know, he didn't get a lot of touches last game. Uh, I think he could be a guy that could be a good safety valve for Kelly Bryant. Yeah, um, you need to catch late to get yeah. a third down conversion. Yeah, or I think you're going to see some big plays out of him. Also, yeah. Raven McLeod on the outside. I saw 
some dynamic plays out of him uh, in the game against Kent State. I think he's I think he's really going to open up this year and take off. Yeah, one I would add to that might be Mylon Richard. Actually, if you if you're able to, yeah, that's a really good point. Establish a, a tight end and you know um, over the middle passing passing lanes. Like what can Dwayne Allen rumbling down the field, didn't he? He did. Definitely reminiscent. Um, that was awesome. Joe Gore. So, Sorry, uh, Brandon Ford. Brandon Ford. Um, yeah, we've, we've had so many awesome tight ends, incidentally, over the years. Really great to see that position. Well, and Mylon Richard is just, he's a different type of tight end than Jordan Leggett, so that's pretty fun to see. Uh, Jordan Leggett, I would say, is more a little bit more finesse. He had a slimmer build. Mylon Richard is a big old boy. He, when, he, when he gets going, he's runs people over. Yeah, definitely. I was glad to see them substitute him out as well, get some more reps um, in that Kent game. But, yeah, you know, I think, Certainly the tight end has been a core component of the offense the last couple of seasons and would be really nice if we have that option. You know, again, you know, can Kelly Bryant and Milo Richard establish a chemistry there? The more well-rounded you are across the board and all those skill position groups, the easier it is for Kelly Bryant. Definitely. Um, so again, you know, we're, we are bullish on the offensive talent and the, the play calling to get this figured out against Auburn um, in, a comf- in the confines and the comfort of Memorial Stadium. Uh, but again, I'm, I think... Prediction-wise, I'm going with a sort of a low-scoring game. Um, Auburn, pretty reliable kicker, if I'm not mistaken. I have not researched their kicker yet. So, yeah, I believe they have one of the most accurate kickers in school history uh, going right now. So um, it's one where you know we're, we're certainly pleased with Greg Hugel, um, but I, I would say we don't want it to come down to a kicking contest. Well, I I generally don't want it to come down to a kicking contest, so yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I think we need to get up on them early, uh, score fast, and stay ahead. I don't want to see us coming from behind. Not this early in the season, for sure. And that's something that we really haven't had to do much beyond ten points or fourteen points, really, the past two to three seasons. But but you always um, trusted in Deshaun Watson. Again, every new little thing is something we're going to have to learn and gain confidence in Kelly Bryant because we just haven't. Haven't been there. He hasn't yeah, yeah he hasn't played, so we'll see. For sure. Um, ben, I want to take a moment, though, talk a little bit about non-conference opponents. Coming up next year, the next two years, we've got Texas A&M, who, um, for those of you who follow the UCLA A&M game, Kevin Sumlin has to be on the hottest seat in the country. Um, so timing actually works out pretty well for Clemson. My, my money's on them having a brand-new head coach next year early on in the year um, we'll go to their place but you know that bodes well for the future but who would you like to see you know I, we could talk about what these non-conference matchups have looked like during the Dabo Sweeney tenure I think that early on we were scheduling these teams to elevate the profile of Clemson you know Dabo had all the confidence in our our coaching and our talent to be able to go in and actually compete in those games and win and our record by and large has shown that we can mostly looking at bowl season but also in season non-conference I think what you're seeing now is among the elite and you can consider Clemson you know among at least the current era blue bloods you are seeing a lot of these teams schedule high profile fellow out of conference elites you've got Ohio State Oklahoma next week you had Alabama FSU last week Um, Clemson's had its share of home and homes against perennial teams that are solid Um, USC Bama played last year Um, I think you know it does help elevate a school like Clemson to continue to schedule these, even though we are established because this can give you a signature win. And when you are in that kind of top five preseason losing this game, especially if you played early on, it doesn't necessarily eliminate you. From oh, it's not contention. the end of the world. No, you can lose this game and run to the rest of the table. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Clemson play LSU, yeah, uh, even be. Florida. 
I think, I think Florida. Florida would be a, a you know those are two teams out of the SEC I would like to see Clemson play. Uh, out of the Big Twelve, maybe Texas. That would be a fun game to watch. Uh, Big Ten, I'd go with Michigan. Yep. Uh, Pac twelve. I don't really see Clemson playing any Pac twelve. I could see a scheduling Oregon. Actually. That's that. I think that's a tough home and away series for both of those schools because they are. You know, or, Oregon's taken a step back, but they're two high profile enough schools that I don't see us risking going all the way across the country. This isn't a, a UCLA Virginia scenario from a couple years ago. One of the things I was talking about with Cody was actually I think Clemson should start to consider maybe more of a national profile for its scheduling. In that, you know, we, we kind of have the regional thing covered. We're recruiting like crazy in the Carolinas, obviously, Tennessee, Florida, um, and really throughout the Southeast. And yes, I agree. It would be very cool to have a home and home with LSU um, and kind of spread our, in Texas, spread our profile. But the more you go nationally, we have only gains to be had in terms of establishing the brand and casting kind of a wider footprint for the recruiting profile. I think it could only help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you start to see us. Uh you know, again, play a team like Texas. We can go into Texas and pull some of those um, recruits out of there. We've started to dabble in that, but we haven't really seen a lot of success. Um, but yeah, as we start to spread our net wider, I think going into some of these places and getting the brand out there, you know, obviously now with everybody's connected to the internet and social media, and you know, it's not like you have to have a special cable package anymore. You get all these games, everybody sees them. But yeah, I, I think it's 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 a couple things. It's getting that brand out there, casting a wider net, but then also for your fans, it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of home atmospheres that you rattled off, um, Michigan, LSU, that would be really fun. Um, I've been to games out here on the West Coast to a number of the different stadiums. I think a UCLA one would be awesome so Clemson fans can make it out to the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, Say what you will about UCLA's team and program right now, but that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll make the Rose Bowl in a playoff setting. Possibly this year. You know, a team that uh, Fresno State just played, Incarnate World, I think they would be a fun one to get on the schedule. What is what I have is no that? clue. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not. <laughs> sounds like. So I they start off with a 66 to nothing win over Incarnate World. Now they go on to face, uh, they're in Alabama next week. You think Incarnate World set them up, uh, uh, got them prepared for that Bama game? Oh, man. Unbelievable. Um, I think Colorado State goes Alabama next. Alabama plays some pretty crazy out of conference. Maybe we should consider that bringing some of like the, I don't know, Mountain West into Clemson. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, great to great to have this home and home with Auburn. A lot of people have asked, oh, is that a rivalry? And everyone's like, oh, it's Auburn or Clemson. Auburn is Clemson without a lake. And you know, we kind of profile um, had the same architect designer right originally for for both campuses, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Masking the architect here, uh, but they, you know, did, they didn't I, teach I don't us cons- that. I don't consider it a rivalry. Um, I think you know it's probably mixed some recruiting circles to some extent, but I would consider probably Georgia to be a much bigger rival for us, and I'd rather see Georgia on the schedule more often than Auburn. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, and I think most Clemson fans would agree. I think there's a natural rivalry and kind of a hatred there between uh, between Clemson and Georgia down there in Athens. So that was a fun game uh, a few years ago when we played them in the home-and-home. Home. So um, especially now that we're, you know, actually beating these SEC teams and winning national championships, yeah. it's I'd not go, the same as it was before. I'd be before. cool going, like, two on with Georgia, four off, and we go cycling two other teams with home-and-homes and go back to Georgia, something like that. It would be interesting. I'd rather like not play the Citadel and just play better teams. I, I just well, wish- we got to get home games. That's 
we, we keep scheduling SoCon teams to get home games. That's kind of part of it. But yeah, that's a good point. But still, I think all of college, our, I think all of college football would be better if if the FBS wasn't playing FCS schools. To be honest with you, yeah, I get it. The other reason they do it is to you know circulate money around in the sport so that those FCS schools can have programs that keeps you know the guys on your high school team able to go to college, play ball, keeps high school programs going. There's like a whole ecosystem to it. Um, you know, yeah there's not really like a competition reason for having FCS play FBS, but it, it kind of helps keep the coffers full to have these programs across the nation. Um, at least that's what I've heard. So speaking of FCS schools, who do you have South Carolina, Missouri this week? Well, considering Missouri allowed what 50 some odd points to Missouri no, state, it was actually like 44. They only gave up okay. eight points or something like that in the second half. But man, yeah, first half was back and forth i was actually in columbia missouri um i was watching that game on tv at halftime of the clemson game that was ridiculous uh those kids on the defensive side of the ball from missouri got an ass chewing i know at halftime uh but yeah after seeing south carolina play and that in missouri not being able to play any defense i think south carolina probably pulls this one off we'll see i mean missouri themselves put up quite a lot of points and they They were actually able to capitalize on like nc state um, so we'll see where most will Muschamp has his players mentality wise coming into this game. They may already be signing their or booking their tickets to a bowl game. And I would say not so fast on that one. Well, Pitt at Penn state. That's a, that's one where the ACC can kind of, uh, take back yeah, knock off a top 10, take team. back some swag after not having such a great week, uh, first week in college football. Well, Pitt, Pitt needed the whole time. And over time to be Youngstown State. Jim Tressel coaches Youngstown State. He used to. Okay. Uh, or I believe he, now it's he's, he's the AD. Oh, Bo no, it's Polini. Bo Pelini. Yeah, Bo yeah. the head coach there. So, um, yeah, Pitt could do it. I'm not going to count them out. They Penn beat State looked really good, though. Penn, I, I underestimated Penn State uh, coming into this season. I mean, yeah. again, based off of one game against Akron. Uh, Akron and Kent State are rivals. So, uh, you know, in, they looked about as good as Clemson, right? Saquon yeah. Barkley is a beast. Um, Penn State's going to be tough. Um, well, I guess that's kind of our wrap. We didn't do an Auburn prediction. We will have that for you guys um, toward the end of the week. But any parting thoughts on the Auburn game, Ben? Uh, no, I feel a lot better about it after seeing what uh, Kelly Bryant did against Kent State. Um, I'm, you know, I had them penciled in uh, as a loss on Clemson's schedule in our season preview last week. I don't want to be so knee jerk as to say that uh, I've seen enough Ali Kelly Bryant to right. to change that prediction, but um, of course I am. Uh, we'll come out with the actual score, but I think of what I've seen out of the, the two teams. Um, and kind of reevaluating things after week one that I give the slight edge to Clemson in this game, part home field advantage, part because Kelly Bryant did look so good. Yeah, I'll also give an edge to Clemson in the coaching department. Um, you know, really a lot of that is on the shoulders of Brent Venables. I think that um, just the ability to – he's seen this offense before, granted with different pieces, components, and um, at least a signal caller. But uh, I think he, he will have this team prepared, and that's going to lead the – the Clemson way to victory. I too predicted probably a loss. I expected maybe it to take a little bit more time to get the offense established. Um, and I liked what I saw in week one, but um, we will see in our ultimate predictions coming out. Stay tuned for those on Twitter later in the week. And the man who's about to lead us out, Ben Bulware, congratulations, just signed uh, a practice squad contract with the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome to the Bay, Ben Bulware. Great to have you out here. Hope to see you at a future tailgate. And with that, go Tigers. 
It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Test one, two. Testing one, two, three. The Clemson Tigers are one and zero oh for the fourth season in a row. We lost week one, 2014. I know that. To Georgia. 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 2015, I think we played Wofford first. Wofford. We'll probably, like beat, probably beat them. We did beat Wofford, pretty sure. Good to go whenever. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. We are week one in the buh. Well, Cam Martin did run for 136 yards against uh, uh, Georgia Southern or Georgia State or whoever, whatever team Georgia from Georgia. Southern. Georgia Southern, too. Uh, no, Georgia State. One of those teams. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was Georgia State. Georgia Southern is a, uh, I don't know, who cares? Who really cares? No, they played Georgia Southern. <laughs> 